Welcome to We Only Talk Hockey. I'm Shane Marazon, coming from Memphis. My co-host is Mike. He's coming from New York. And we're going to start off with talking about the Rangers, who appear to be finally playing to a degree that a lot of us believed they would after last year's promising season with the young core emerging. Um, they were a little disappointing early, and their coaching staff gets COVID, and everything seems to start clicking better. I mean, since that Flyers win, right? That first one? The first yeah. one. Yeah, that nine. Uh, the games earlier, you could see it a little bit, what it really was. When the coaches were out, they played real strong for their team uh, yeah. because the coaches weren't there, and I think that really helped them. And since then, they haven't won every game. They haven't won whatever. They have embarrassed the Flyers twice, and they just tonight beat the Capitals 5-2. to two. And the other night, they were very competitive against the Capitals. They appear, yeah. they appear to be a much more what we thought they were a team that took the next step forward. Now the question is, are they close enough where they can make a realistic run at taking that fourth spot away from the Bruins? Cause it does appear like the flyers are kind of, you know, out of it at this point. I mean, the flyers, we're going to get to the flyers soon, but like when you look at the Rangers, I think it's very interesting whether they're hot now and they're going to keep it or whether they're going to just keep making that push on the playoffs. I think what's, what's good is what they figured out is how they can generate offense where their defense has gotten, has been good all year. And their defense is really, is really just is, is a deeper unit than I think many people give it credit for where the irony is that Keandre Miller and Adam Fox are the two best and Jacob Truba is kind of like shifted into the depth role. I think the, the Rangers have figured out that because their offensive has struggled, they are best, very similar to some other teams in their division on odd man rushes, getting speed, getting breakaway, getting chances with Sabenejad. And I don't know how long I, I personally don't think that's going to last, but they they figured out what they can do, what works, and they just they did against Philly Philly twice. They've done it against the Capitals, and they played a close game against the Capitals earlier. So I, it is intriguing. I think they're a team you have to follow heading forward. They're going to have probably a tougher road ahead, I would think. But they they're a team to follow. I don't know what uh, I what you would I, think about that. I believe, I think you're right. I don't necessarily think they're getting in because some of the numbers, like the point wise is a little skewed. Like the, the Rangers have played three more games than Boston. So I do think that's going to end up going in Boston's favor. Boston's a weird on and off hot, cold thing, but I think it might be because of the cancellations of games and stuff, but yeah, but they, uh, so but I do think what they can do is play spoil sport to either Boston or Philly. I think they might have a big part in playing in, in deciding who that four is. I don't know if, or deciding the rest of the structure of it. I think they can have a, they're going to be a tough matchup. I think for the rest of the year, I just don't think they quite have what it takes to pull off the win. I think them and the devils are similar in the sense that they're a tough out for any team that's trying to get in. And I think I, I think the Rangers have a better chance of getting into the playoffs sneaking in, but yeah, in terms of whether what they can do lasts, because I, one of the big things is that you in to, 
in the in the, the Devils very similar offensively, where they where the Devils generate scoring chances on odd man rushes on getting Jack Hughes and speed that doesn't last for a full season. You need to be able to score in the zone, be able to get uh, uh, methodically score goals. And neither team really can do that. But I think these teams could be sleepers, both the devils and the Rangers. Uh, um, Not just sleepers, just tough outs for these teams, like the Islanders, the Bruins, these teams who are trying to get those, extra position positions in the in the uh in a in a tight playoff picture i i agree i think the major difference between the devils and the rangers is the rangers defense is smothering they allow one of the fewest amount of shots per game they have a really good penalty kill even if the stats don't necessarily show it watching it live it is a good penalty kill they their defense is so good. And I think when you have that good of a defense, the, the, what you said, the speed, the streaky game can yeah. be less of a detriment. I think their biggest problem early on was Zabanajad was just something wasn't clicking last year. He was an on an unbelievable pace for the year. And this year, just early on, it wasn't clicking. And it has been since that Philly, that six point Philly game. Yeah. I, it's interesting you mentioned the defense because I think their unit, they, this is really a difference between them and the Devils in the sense that the Rangers have like at least two good pairings where you can count on every night. And where you, I mean, Keandre Miller has been hurt on and off this year with injury, but you have Adam Fox, you have Keandre Miller, and you have Jacob Truba, and you have some, you have some other names that are just, the Devils, defensively really it just does it hasn't clicked and i i like ty smith i think ty smith has great upside in his career but you look at you look at their the way the pairings have have worked and it, it just doesn't and and i think but i think i think that's what the rangers defensively can get themselves in the playoffs and good goaltending can carry but it's good i mean it's going to be interesting to like watch them moving forward uh and I guess moving moving on to well, another team in the East while we stay in the East. Well, you yeah, have a, you have... yeah. One last thing is I think it might come down to how Boston deals with all this shuffling of their schedule. If they handle that well in the the weird fray of it, I think it will be Boston coming in at four. If that affects them, which it can, like to, we shouldn't underestimate the effect of that. Um, so we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, um, and it's going to, I mean, there's, it's really just going to be a fight for those other positions. And I mean, it, it does shift in the East. I guess we'll shift, yeah, we'll talk about the Penguins series against the Islanders first, and then we'll go to talk about what's going on in Philly. But like with, with the Penguins and the Islanders, the Penguins beat the Islanders twice this past weekend. They're now six, they've won six of the eight games they finished the season series against them. So I guess the first question I'd ask you, is this a big deal for both teams or not? Like, is this a big deal for the Penguins or Islanders? Like, cause they might face each other.
I, uh, so when it comes to the, the penguins, uh, when it comes to the penguins, I, uh, I have a hard time evaluating them right now because their goalie has been playing far and above what he, uh, what we've seen from him so far, it could be a young goalie taking a step forward, but I just don't really see that. And, um, and so I, I don't see that. And so I think there will be a fall off eventually in Jari's play. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that will affect them. They're obviously going to make the playoffs. I don't see, I think the top three are going to be the top three. I don't necessarily know what order they're going to come in, but I do believe the current top three of Washington, New York Islanders and Pittsburgh will be the top three. The question is, can they outlast the Islanders in a back to back to back, not a spread out eight games, you know, possibly a seven game series. Cause I really could see it going seven and they're the Islanders very strict play, very, you know, can they outlast them in that seven game series if Jari takes a step back? And I just don't know. So I guess I'll start with the part one of the, between this series, the takeaway is does this season series matter in the sense like the uh, Penguins took six of eight and the Islanders only won two of those games. And one of the things that I think about is how, is how, how much do trends matter in a game where a team that from two weeks ago doesn't look the same as a team now. So that's the first thing that I think about is that the Islanders did not look like the same team in February as they do now. And the same thing with the Penguins, the Penguins have looked like a better team recently than they have back then. I, in terms of the Penguins chances, I really think this team is a better team than people are going to give it credit for. And one of the big reasons I would, I would, I would say that is because, is because Casey just because of how Casey DeSmith has played as their backup, which they now have two good goalies. And the other thing is with the Penguins is they've always been a team that are like one or two players away from like being back. They're always that one or two young guys back. And Jake Gensel's played well. Brian Rust has played well. Uh, Cody CC, these extra guys that they just have. I don't know. I wouldn't say they're the best team in the East, but they've definitely made their mark back. And I think they're a team we can't count out in, in the uh in the Stanley as we f- turn to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Most certainly. I, most certainly. And that wasn't what I was saying. I'm just yeah. there is trepidation because we know how Jerry looked uh Jari yeah. looked the, this year, how he looked last year, you know. It could be a sign of that development, and I do agree they've got a good serviceable backup, but I just – we'll have to see. I do – right now we're nitpicking the top, obviously, you know. Yeah. So so it's different. Like if we were comparing them to Boston I or even Philadelphia or the Rangers, it would be a very different story. Um, I think I think you, you do – when you do mention Jari, there is something important to keep in mind is that – good goaltender a good goaltending unit which the penguins currently have two good goalies can get you to the playoffs but you need one great goalie to put you over the top and i don't know if you could say that about tristan jari yet uh he's he's still young he's still like 25 26 i believe and but yeah it is i mean it's a good point that maybe i mean they could be a team that would be in the mood to buy but i don't think so we'll probably talk about that but uh, 
but I mean, that's probably my, that's probably where I understand the reason to be like not buying into what the penguins are selling, what penguins are selling. You'd probably agree with that. Yeah. And I think whoever they match up with, it's going to be a tough series and they could win it. Um, I just think in the grand scheme of the entire playoffs, I don't see them having what it takes to win the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. And I mean, like, I would I would say that right now the two teams, of course, are the two best records, the Capitals and the and the Islanders. But what I what I would think about is watching pe- the Penguins in the upcoming days, how they look, how they play, because there is something brewing there that I think people aren't noticing. And it's a it's not just it's not just a team that's riding a hot wave and uh, and beating up on bad teams. It's a team that I think genuinely looks better, and the way they've been playing has actually like has actually has actually looked very not similar to the Cup years, but similar to good teams that have been in the playoffs. I think looking forward. Yeah, uh, moving on to so just yeah. quickly, um, one thing to watch in the East is going to be this strength of remaining schedule pittsburgh Mm -hmm. has the easiest remaining schedule left in the nhl um and the and especially in the east and in the east the capitals have the hardest and the islanders have a harder schedule than penguins so that could cause some shake up in in the division standings um so that'll also be something to watch as we go down the yeah. last month. I think month. I think the last note on that is that it's more important for the Penguins because for a team like them, they want to still figure out what they can do and what works and what doesn't. And against teams like the Sabers or the or the or the Devils, they can really figure out like, hey, we can we can like experiment like, a little. Yeah. And I think, I think it's good for their, for their line situation. Like what, who, who do we want to play with Chris Latang with? And who do we want? Who do, do we want to stack the top line or do we want to uh, spread out, spread out the units? I think they currently have Jake Gensel on a different line as Sidney Crosby, but it, it's going to be interesting to watch them moving forward. I think the upcoming games, even though they're against bad opponents, it's going to be interesting to watch how they play uh, moving forward. I guess this kind of shifts it doesn't real um just the last note on the east teams because i feel like we just talked about like the entire uh east coast uh like fans fan so i guess like really just quickly what's going on in philly because like they've really looked bad and really bad like from since last week we talked they've really struggled and it's like what it what's what's the struggle there what's like what's not working i would say I, I don't honestly it's hard uh they're the mm-hmm. same team same players they obviously have the capability to play much better than they are um obviously the goaltending has been a little worse than it was at the end of last year or even the beginning of this year that might have to do with a little burnout playing carter hart a lot but yeah. it, it can't only be that you know what i mean there's got to be something more and i just can't tell what it is watching they just don't look right is it coach it's can't because it, lane vignon is one of the most respected coaches in the nhl and he really has done a lot in philly already so i don't think it's that it's not like Good. they need a change up there i i don't necessarily i i don't disagree but i want to just say even if a coach is greatly respected he can lose a specific team 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it happens with, uh, with a bunch of coaches where, you know, they're known for coming in, doing great early, and then he burns out, they burn out the play, you know, kind of thing. I don't think that's what's happening. Um, but I do think the, the GM or the owner is going to take a look at it. Um, Cause whenever you have such a promising season last year and you look miasmic for a while, I, for a while this year, it, it's going to give the front office some pause. I think it's going to be interesting watching them, how they approach the trade deadline with that in mind. I mean, we'll probably, we'll, we'll get probably talk more in depth about that later on, but the idea, like it's, they were a team that was, seriously talked about as winning the east division not only the best record but like winning like winning it making out in the east in the east stanley cup playoffs like in that bracket if you will there there were a team that entering the season it was like they don't they have depth on offense they have a great goaltending duo i think the only weakness entering the season was the defensive depth and i mean i it's interesting is is it really just like I feel like is it is it really just that one weakness got exposed over and over again in, in a tough division? No. Um you can tell when something's just a unit doesn't compare and it doesn't look like that. The team literally looks different now than they did a month ago or closer to the beginning of the season. They they look slower, they look a little less interested. It, it's hard to place because I don't think it's something as noticeable as like a tech, like technique or just players not having the ability. It's just, they look like they can't compete. And that wasn't the case a month ago or early in the season. They played the Sabres, I believe on Monday night, and they made that overtime win feel like a loss, which kind of speaks volumes to how the team looks and I mean, it's very, it's like, and it kind of speaks to greater sense of like, they had the, they, they found the goals in the third period. They found the scoring, they have the offense, they have the pieces. It just, they're nothing, nothing's, it's not clicking though. It's not working. And I mean, it, it could be heading to a, uh, an ugly off season. I think, I mean, I don't know if you want to like project into that though. Uh, I think it's a little too early to tell about that. Um, yeah. I think, you know, we've talked a bit about the East. Uh, moving on to to the Central Division, Nashville has, what is it, five wins in a row? I think they won another, so that's six in a row. They just won in shootout, I believe, or overtime to the Stars again. Okay. The stars. So. Yeah, I have to apologize on this one because I sold out. I think a lot of fans sold out on Nashville. They were like. I think people are buying back in way too quickly. Um, they obviously have ability. They've been really good. They've been in playoffs past couple of years. I, yeah. I think this is just honestly this team. I think it's a coaching issue. Um, but it, it's, it's funny. Do you think they're getting hot at the right time? Like, is in they're just winning now, right when they should be selling at the deadline, right when they're getting ready to maybe trade off some pieces, they're winning now. So now they can't sell and they're just going to be t- caught in this bind. It's possible. Um, I think the, I think it's going to come down to this. The coach is going to want to keep going as long as he can to ride this hot streak. Yeah. 
I think the GM is still going to want to sell because I personally think there's brewings of we're going to move off this guy after the season. So let's get what we can now as opposed to waiting till the off season to do it kind of thing. You have a lot of those pieces. You have like Pecorine, Matthias Ekholm is a, has the value to trade now. And it it is interesting. They have those pieces where it's like, yeah, they really want to, so I think so. I think when we think about Nashville, is they're in the playoffs right now. They're the fourth seed, which is kind of like once you get in, anything could happen. What's making them good now is they have a good defense and they have good goaltending, and goaltending can get you a hot streak, which they have. With you say Saros, who's on a hot streak right now, but like it, it's hard. Do you see that like? Can, is there any reason to believe that one, they can still get into that playoff spot or, and two, can this formula keep up? Can this team particularly keep up? So assuming they do absolutely nothing at the deadline, they don't sell, they don't buy, they do nothing. They stay with their roster. Obviously the hot streak's not going to continue. They're not going to win every last one of their games remaining. This streak will come to an end. Whether they can keep up the quality of play even after a loss or whatever is going to determine it. But honestly, even if they, I think getting into the playoffs might be the worst thing for them. I believe it's time to wipe the slate clean a little bit, you know, and I think it, it is a little bit of a boys club there in the sense, like you have players like Roman Yossi, you've been there for a while. Roman Yossi is great, but you have Philip Forsberg, you have some veterans on that team and they do need, they do need to get younger. Uh, they have a little bit Dante Fabro coming in a bit uh, to the scene and some other players and positions, but yeah, Pecorino is on the last year of his contract and he's 37. I don't think, yeah, it's like you're probably not thinking he's coming back. And this is, it is a team that is in a very difficult situation. Uh, Especially with the uh, other goalie playing so well recently, I think that'll just give him even more reason to sell on Rene. You know, it's the last year of his contract. If you don't seriously believe you can make a run in the playoffs, and I honestly don't think the front office thinks they can, then sell him now because as soon as the season's over, you got no value there. Here you have value. Well, yeah, I, I think the difficulty is is he has a no trade clause, which like really puts them, which really ties them down. It's it's similar with I think a lot of players who you have to hope that they waive it, which is like very difficult situation. I think I mean it's just I'm saying I think Nashville can get into the playoffs. It's just weird. Is like what do you see from there? Because like say they say they get into the four seed and they play a team like Tampa in the first round. Like, they're getting killed. <laughs> they're getting yeah, absolutely like how, rolled. <laughs> unless you say Soros can be a can be a lockdown goaltender and the defense can can keep them in these games. Like they're this is what's interesting is that their defense almost plays almost is their best offense in the sense like Roman Yossi is arguably the best offensive player who from the point does a lot of stuff and a lot of their players who they expect, like Matthew Shane, have struggled. And it's like, you look at them and it's, and it's like, what, like, yeah, it, is there their best case scenario just pull, like sneaking in and pulling that upset against them? Is it's, it's, 
It I happens. Just, it's a weird situation. Columbus did it a couple years and years ago and swept Tampa Bay when they won the President's Trophy, and everyone thought they were yeah. at least Eastern Conference finalists, and they got rolled by Columbus. So it's not unheard of. But I also think people believed in that Columbus team more than they do believe in this Nashville team. I yeah. I think they get rolled in four or five against literally any one of those other three. I, I think the difference in the top three and everyone else in that division is huge. I think whoever ends up with that one seed in that division. The difference is. Continue. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very interesting because, like, the difference is those three, four teams, whatever, because it's not Detroit, but, like, the Chicago, uh, Dallas Stars, like, whoever, they, like, could sneak their way in, like, somehow, but you're – they would probably get their do- the, the doors kicked down on them. Like, yeah. there's – there's a real motivation, I think, just to get that one seed in the second. Yeah, um, I do. I think whoever wins that one seed is going to have a very uh, easy first round. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, I guess let's sh- shift to the uh, North Division a bit. Uh, and I'm re- thinking about with the North, the, the, the first thing, there's a few things that come to mind, but the first one that really uh, comes to mind is uh, is the Jets taking two out of three against the Flames. And it's not just that they took two out of three against them. They have it's the most the fact depth. That, uh, it, it's, it's how they're winning these games. It's like their offense, when you look at their offense, it's like just a deep offense that it seems hard to stop. Like, I don't see a single player for them. Um, I don't see, um, I don't see one guy who's like, yeah, he's that guy. You know, I don't, I don't see that on that team, but I, I don't think it matters, which normally in the NHL, you've got to have that one star like you know or at least the top line i would think yeah they don't their top line is good but it's not like especially a great top line with i think i believe it's what blake wheeler mike shifley nikolai ehlers i think is their top line but like kyle connor has played well uh mason appleton has played well you look at their you look at their they have six scores with 10 goals or more this season and it's interesting how do you because they 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 have like an, the ability with whether it be like Pierre Luc Dubois as a third line center to just be a viable offense throughout the game to just pile on goals. In the, when I look at you look at the big three, whether it be the Oilers, the Maple Leafs, or the Jets, I'm like thinking, how do the other teams in that division stop what the Jets do? Like, what do you? How do they? It- prepare to stop them it, it's hard uh and i think i pointed this out in our first week was their depth is so good that if a team has one or two good defensive lines but honestly i don't think toronto or Ed, her edmonton really has that two separate pairings that are really good 
So yeah, maybe you got your top pairing on the top line or whatever, you know, kind of thing. And I think it's hard because either you run your defense into the ground trying to stop them or you take your blows where you can get them and just try to outscore them. I think it might come down to Edmonton and Toronto trying to out stop them, but Edmonton's it's not just that their offense is deep. Their defense is really deep too. Like if a team had Edmonton's defense, I could see them beating themselves, you know, kind of thing. I like how their defense just suddenly got deeper where the way that Derek Forbert, Neil Pionk, the way that they're that, pairing has has kind of matured the season and became a great pairing i think <clears throat> the team that has the best chance almost in that division to beat them is the i mean i believe the uh oilers will play i mean the the jets will play the maple leafs in the upcoming days but the the oilers the because they can match scoring with scoring and because particularly they can they can just get mcdavid can outskate the, those pairings the like neil pionk who's a bigger defenseman who kind of is good at is good at establishing you at the, um establishing the blue line but they but mcdavid can outskate them and dry settle can outskate them i think other than that like yeah it's good it's, it's hard to see the jets losing especially because of how they can kind of run up the score in the in in a si- seven game series yeah so Here's so I kind of agree with you. I think out of that division, I don't see them ending up playing Montreal. I think the way Montreal plays, they could maybe make it a dog fight and who knows. Um, but Edmonton and Toronto seem to be very similar teams. I think there's two major differences there that I think lend to Edmonton winning. I think the beating and the bruising of the Winnipeg will have less of an effect on McDavid and Dreisaitl than it will on Matthews. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one thing. I think in a longer series, Matthews tends to perform worse in the back end against physical teams like we've seen with Boston the last couple years. Um, and the other thing, they have Dreisaitl. Um, I don't know if that what that necessarily means if they do whatever, but it means the defense can't focus entirely on one player like they can when Matthews is on the floor as much. So. It's interesting because of how the Oilers play is they split up McDavid and Dreisaitl for their shifts. And then on the power play, they put them together. And then the power play, they're just like, it just such Ungodly. a good power play. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just incredible power play. I think it's interesting. I guess uh, we just really quickly, we should like, is do you see can you see the Canadians after their last week where they didn't play? They basically didn't play the entire week. Do you see the Canadians still being able to make it into the playoffs of that final team? Or is it just like they're gonna be overwhelmed by their schedule? Where I think I think that but like they won, they 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 played the Oilers tonight, they they won that handily, but it's not really the first game back that gets to these teams that have these long so, di- breaks. It's so, the, like the few weeks down the road, really. Yeah, so I think they're going to be in the same position that Boston is. Uh, I actually think that's a great parallel. Montreal has one more game than Boston does at this point at 32. Um, so, But they're still in that fourth seed. And 
they're up on Calgary by five games and four points. And that's not the only thing. Their differential is great. A lot of these divisions, you see that four seed having a barely above water differential or a below water differential. Like we, you, we just talked about Nashville Predators, who are yeah, like, what just treading now minus fourteen on the season. <laughs> so, and but Montreal is plus seventeen, which is actually better than Edmonton, and so. I do see them coming in because Edmonton's plus 15 and they're plus 17. I see, I do see them winning. Uh, I think they're built better than Boston to handle that condensed schedule, that even more condensed schedule in the this last month, month and a half of the season. Um, I don't see Calgary catching up. Um, and if they get the right matchup in the playoffs, I could see them winning a series kind of a thing i think they match up well with with uh edmonton and toronto i mean they they have i mean as much as carry price has struggled you just can't count carry price out in a in a playoffs or we'll, we'll probably talk enough about the playoffs once they come along but and it, it is it is when you just like I guess like one last go back to the Jets is you kind of feel the most confident about Connor Hellebuck of any goalie in the, in the North division. I mean, unless you like are really confident about Mike Smith. Honestly, I I agree with you on how you, how how you buck. Sorry. Um, But as you mentioned that carry price, I know he hasn't looked like himself and he's getting up there in age, but you can never count out that kind of player in the playoffs. I think it's the same thing sort of with Pecorino and Nashville. If they get into the playoffs, they ca- I think they have the ability to flip a switch for that little amount of time they need it. Um, it might be carry prices like I'm older. I can't be as Marc-Andre Fleury-like, for lack of a bottom, yeah. better term, of the being everywhere on the in the crease. Um, I got to you, met, you mentioned Pecorine then because he's 37. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, These are older guys who yeah. might be able to be like, okay, I'm conserving until we get down to the stretch, like either right down to the stretch or into the playoffs. And I can give you two good weeks, you know, before my body falls apart on me. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I, there's a player I'm thinking of who did that a lot in, I believe it was baseball. I'm blanking on who it is, but it, it was very much that I kind of save it for the end of the season. You know, I'm older. Yeah. I just need to stay above water until that. I think, I think what you're describing is the entire NBA, but what's that's what makes the NHL good is because I think you have to kind of, you have to play hard. You have to, you can't half skate. You have to kind of, yeah. you have to kind of put yourself out there to win these games, but like enough talking, comparing sports, I guess, uh, one last note on the North before we kind of like dive into the West is the Oilers played the Leafs. They split series. And my, my big takeaway really from that series is one, how well they match up against each other, like how well they play against each other. Uh, these are two good. I mean, the Leafs edged them out in the season series. I believe they concluded their season series, but these are two teams that I think the only concern for both teams is goaltending, but you could see one goalie on either team getting hot, whether because Frederick Anderson struggled this season, but Jack Campbell's played what really well for Toronto. And likewise, Mike Smith is having a very good year for the Oilers. 
So I guess really what did you have any like big takeaway from that like little series that they just played each other? Uh, yeah. With these teams. What I took away is Edmund. I believe Edmonton would win the playoffs series. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost that first game of those two games, but everything but that third period looked all Edmonton. Um, the Toronto came back and managed to win it in overtime, I believe. Um, but that whole game, Toronto looked like the better, uh, Edmonton looked like the better team. Granted, Toronto has that ability as both teams do. I think if the roles were reversed in the score, it could have happened the opposite way. Um, and that's why I think the team that controls more often is going to end up winning because both teams have that comeback ability. So even if one team has an off night, they can come back kind of thing. I think it'll be a great series. Um, yeah. If they were to play each other, I think, yeah, it, it is interesting. Like how it is interesting how they like Matt, how they match up against each other. Cause I feel like, like there's, it's really hard to point to like one unit or one like line. Cause I think Toronto has a great top line, but they still have great scoring uh, in the back end. And the Oilers, it's always been criticized. They're scoring on the back end, but th- this year they've proven they have a, a potent offense in all their shifts. And it, it's really like, the only thing is maybe one of these teams is going to make a move uh, that's going to put them over the top, but like they just gave us a great preview potentially of what what's to come. I don't know if you would, you would say the same or not. Yeah, I do. I think it'll be if they make it. Uh, like if they play, I think it'll be a great. It'll be a super fun series to watch. You know, it's two teams that are that are great. They're fast. They're moving. You know, I can see the the Winnipeg series. Whoever they play, being kind of. Matt, unless they play another really physical team uh, defensively or whatever, I think you're going to see slower games. I think you're going to see more of a drag out of games. You might get a couple mm-hmm. of those those uh, overtime games like we've seen in the last couple of years. Certain series, you get those like three overtime games in these series <laughs> kind of thing. I could see that happening, but I think this, this series against Edmonton and Toronto is going to be fast-paced firing pucks skating it's gonna be it's gonna be a hold on to your seat like things can change at literally the drop of a dime in that in that series if it were to happen um so i guess moving on to um what's the last division we didn't do that would be well i mean the the real big takeaway uh i guess really because the the vegas golden knights played the colorado avalanche in a two-game series they split the two games but really what i've it's hard to ignore how colorado has played recently i feel like they 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 beat the ducks monday night um five to two i believe or something like that and i think i think really the big the big takeaway is like continuing if Colorado is healthy like how do they lose I don't know if you would if you would agree with that because I feel feel like Vegas splitting the series against Colorado yeah we expect that they're Vegas they're good like they're good and they're going to continue to play well but Colorado 
has struggled in the middle of the season, but now that they're getting these guys back, they're getting Kale McCarr to form Samuel Gerrard. It, it feels like they're the team that's going to challenge Vegas in that division. I don't know if you would like agree with yeah. that or not. I see Colorado being the challenger there. Minnesota, they're good, but they're young. I don't see them as a realistic challenger yet. I would be glad if they surprised me. It would make for fun series. But I do think it'll be Colorado and Vegas. Um, I have more faith in Vegas's goaltending. And as we know, playoff time comes around. That's really, you know, crucial but the last last year the Colorado didn't have uh uh their goalie was hurt uh Philip Grubauer I believe uh was hurt Mm -hmm. and so they have these um I don't I when it comes down to it I trust Vegas's back end more than Colorado's um so I it's gonna be hard to tell who's going to win that i think I, they're too yeah, close I think, to call i think the more we watch the wild i think the more we see they are a year away and i think similarly like, like you look at some of the other teams in the west where they're younger or rebuilding and it's like yeah they're kind of not there yet and it really is colorado like you look at how colorado has played you look at how vegas has played especially recently and it's like these two teams are in their prime like they're they're their team is built to win the cup this year. And it's really these two teams that you feel just are going to play each other in the West division. I think. Yeah. I, uh, I completely agree with that. Um, I do think this division, the teams in this division, because hopefully this is not going to be a division going forward, but the teams in this division, they've got some real young talent, like the Kings. They've been bad for a few years, but they've got some good young talent. They're they're uh, AHL club and their young player developing players look great. Um, so I think in the next couple years, you could see the Kings becoming more competitive uh, going forward. Arizona, something just seems not quite right with them. Like the last couple of years, they've I mean, had- we, we've been through the area with Arizona. <laughs> I don't really want to go into detail of that. Yeah, they it's the same story every year. It's they look great at certain points and they look trash at others. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's I call them like the drunken sailors of the NHL. I feel like because it's like no direction where it's like you feel like they could they like when they buy, they should buy when they when they sell and they should sell when they buy. It's like you don't really know what direction the coyotes are heading in in any given year. Uh, but it really, yeah, really just, it looks, I mean, the, f- the future is bright in some of those teams in, in the West, but it really just looks like this is Colorado or Vegas's year to not just win the West, potentially the Stanley cup though. Uh, I feel one, one thing to, we kind of shifted away from the North, but one thing to get back in as we head to our final, like topics uh, is the Canadians getting Eric Stahl, for the from the Sabers, and I guess really quickly, like I feel that's a win-win situation where the Sabers got what they could, and they're going to be able to. And I feel moving forward, whatever they can get at the trade deadline is going to be a victory for this for the Sabers and the Canadians. Like this is like an extra piece that they need that extra those extra pieces they need to uh, compete in that North Division. I, I don't know what what's your takeaway from that trade overall. 
I agree. I personally think the Canadians won that deal. Um, granted, mm-hmm. I'm often inclined to whoever gets the player. And I don't mean obviously players trade, whatever, but like the player in that trade, you know, kind of thing. I'm always inclined to say they're the winner. Uh, it doesn't always work out, but until we see it in action, that's my inclination. Buffalo, man, Buffalo's bad. It's it's um, a sad, it's such a it's sad, it's such a sad case because they look, have that's good why players. I think it's a win. Because when you're when you're a franchise that you know is in a, it's, it's a mess and it is a mess with the Sabres, whatever they can get for these players. Cause everyone knows that you could, their stock, their, the value is plummeted on some of these, on some of these players, whatever you can get for Eric Stahl, which they did, they got a second round or in a fifth round pick. That's valuable. That's a win for them because you, and there's, it's all, it's all similarly. Well, there's this bias to believe that when a team, when a team that doesn't do well generally makes a move, it's easy to say they made the wrong move, no matter what they get in return. Like if Jack Eichel goes gets traded for two first round picks, we'll be saying, oh, they should have gotten three. But I don't the see Sabres, them trading Eichel. Like whatever... I, I agree uh, with your statement. I mean, that's a... But I don't think I don't I don't see Eichel being moved. I think everyone else on that roster might be moved. I think Hall might be moved, even though they just signed him this year. But I think Eichel stays. Yeah, I actually yeah, I think that's a good way to segue into it is is Jack Eichel could bring back the biggest Hall, But and what's very interesting is Taylor Taylor Hall. uh has a, has a modified no movement clause, whatever. He'll probably waive it. He's on a one-year deal. Is which team wants Taylor Hall? And I'll kind of get to Jack Eichel in a second, but which team, what kind of team could use a Taylor Hall at the upcoming trade deadline? St. Louis. St. Louis Blues. I, I, interesting. I think they're just missing something there. I don't see them... You know, the other teams towards the bottom of divisions, you've got like boss. I think it's probably going to be a four or five seed that makes that move for Hall, especially with the one year contract. I think it's going to be that either on the cusp team or just in team who thinks if we got another team player, we can be competitive with the top three teams in the division. So I, I could see St. Louis making the move and this might be whatever I could even see like a Montreal making a move. I know they just made the move for stall yeah, with they- them. So I think it's less likely now because they got stall from them. I don't know if they just want to give their whole team to Montreal, but <laughs> I think Montreal or St. Louis might be the place they go. Even maybe so I've Arizona, heard, but I've heard, I've heard Islanders being linked to Taylor Hall because he's played with Jordan Eberle. I wouldn't do it if I were the Islanders. You want to get a, you, you would, if you're the Islanders, you want to get a real top, like a good second line, at least center slash uh, forward that you could kind of rotate in between the top and the line and the second line. And two names come to mind in that note. A, a lot of people think Kyle Palmieri, who's not a far commute from the Devils to the Islanders. But two names that come to mind are Tomas Hurdle from the Sharks and Johnny Gaudreau from the Flames. We're like, I actually, the more I think about Johnny Gaudreau, I think it would be a great situation to trade 
for Calgary because his stock is the highest now. And he he's like, I think he's 27. So he's kind of in his prime and you need to get like that. Those years right now from him to be productive. Last like five years out of him. And yeah. And I like, and I think the more I think about it, it's like, yeah, Johnny Gaudreau could be a good trade, trade him now, get the value. And the Islanders, of course, getting that big, that big score off the market is saying we're ready to, we're trying to win the Stanley cup. Uh, the other name is Tomas Hurdle, who has the experience who's been in the, who's been with the sharks, who's been with those, those good shark teams, who's a good scorer. Uh, but I mean, those two players in general, do you think either one can just be moved in general? Just ignoring like what, whatever team it is. I, I see hurdle maybe being moved. Um, I find it hard I find it hard seeing Calgary moving off uh, Johnny Goudreau. Um, I know he's young and he's good and you've got, you know, you can get a lot for him, but I also think they believe they're closer than maybe some, like maybe you or some other people think they are. And so I think they feel it would be a setback for them as opposed to a lateral move, which for teams like, the Calgary right now, you want either a lateral move or an upgrade, I feel. And I mm-hmm. see that as a backward step for them. I think they don't think they're as far away as some people do. So I don't know if I see them trading him, uh, but I definitely could see hurdle moving because they're trying to just restart in Dallas. <laughs> yeah. I It's very interesting uh, with the flames. You would say that they're a team that, that's not going to sell at the deadline then you're saying they would, they're just going to either remain neutral or buy in. So I don't necessarily see them buying now. I think they might buy the uh, off season. I I think they're a team that might realize their situation. I think they don't know if they can do it and you don't want to buy necessarily a rental player. If you don't actually think you can do something with it. So I think either they make, lateral trades which you see every year at the deadline there are these these undetermined trades that you're like okay these are just you know pieces kind of thing i don't see them making any blockbuster buys or sells though yeah i actually i was initially under the impression i mean i guess like most hockey fans i was saying they're gonna sell i'm thinking of it more of like i guess like guilty is charged. I'm thinking of it as from a fantasy perspective where it's like they should sell because they're not so good this year and they can get some value for it. But when they brought, I guess, bringing in Daryl Suter and bringing and the, the direction that the front office, I guess, wants to go in is saying, we're trying to, we're trying to be competitive, not just this year, but next year and potentially in the years in the future and trading the more and trading a player like Johnny Gaudreau, who even though I think in the long term could be a very effective piece to trade now, uh, they want to keep him around just to be competitive in the in the future years. So, so here's my question, though, and this is where why I came to my decision. You mentioned the Islanders, which I think if he were to be mm-hmm. traded would be one of those places. Even if they get a first round draft pick from him, do you envision the Islanders being low enough down in the next several years for that to in any way, shape or form necessarily be worth it? Um, and I, I, 
it can because hockey players in the first round and even later it goes all over the place. But a team like Buffalo, a top five to seven team is not going to buy, you know, Johnny Goudreau for them. I don't see it. Uh, I uh, So I don't know if it's worth it when they're good enough that if they get some other things and tinker in the offseason kind of thing, maybe sign some free agents, they could be a lot more competitive than I think anything they're going to get um, out of the Islanders or a similar team. So I guess we kind of said that like the Flames aren't, are probably going to remain neutral or at least not buy as we sell as we think they would. I guess one last one last thing is which team do you see by making all the moves, trying to go all in the season uh, at the trade deadline? I guess I mean I'm thinking of Montreal. a few names. One of them I think would be, I mean we've already seen them. They're one of them that I was thinking about. Yeah. The names, the teams I'm thinking of are the Oilers. That are I think they're going to buy in. I think Colorado is going to buy in, and I think there's going to be at least someone in the East that is going to try to say we can, we ought to win a cup with the roster we have now. This is the prime roster, whether it be the Bruins or Islanders. Which teams do you see like buying in so, uh, with that in mind? I'll, I'll just run down. I think in – so I, I don't disagree with you saying the Edmonton or Colorado is going to make a move. I do. I think – but I think those are going to be more position-type things. I think – Montreal, given Carey Price's age, might be saying, let's see what we can do. You might not see anything more out of them, but I definitely think that is going to be one of the most active front offices. Even if no more big deals get done, I think that front office is going to be running around like chickens with their head cut off for the next two weeks. Um, I think think it's interesting you mentioned not only Carey Price, Jeff Petrie, who's like, I think, 34 years old. They have a a roster that is built to win now, just not doing it yet. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, but go um, I, I really don't necessarily see anyone in the central. I could see Florida making a move, not a huge yeah. thing, but I could see Florida making a move because even though they're in second and those top three are real close in points and everything, I just think they kind of feel like the odd man out. And I think they I, want one more piece. I know they, they have a deep scoring offense. They have depth in the offense. Do you see Taylor Hall potentially fitting in there? Like, is he a type of player that could fit there? I'm not mistaken, and I, I have this con- think I have this confused. Taylor Hall played with Arizona last, right? Or was it Florida? Yeah. Okay, so I was I couldn't I got those two. Okay, so I could maybe see him going to Florida, but I don't know. I. It's hard for me to see what they'd try to trade because I think they have a good roster. I think it might be trading good for good, just in a different spot kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. But I, I don't necessarily see them as huge buyers like I think Montreal could be. I see them more as let's get one guy here. Um, maybe, maybe like a depth piece, like from a team. Yeah. Yeah. I could, yeah, I could, I I mean, that's probably what, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, that's probably what most teams that really win the cup do is they just add that like one or those one or two players that are in that third or fourth line. And that's all they really needed. And 
I mean, really, I mean, I think really with the Oilers, with a team like the Oilers, it's really adding a backup goalie or a second goalie potentially if they don't really have enough confidence in Miko Koskinen. But I could see that another team, like you mentioned in the East, I could see Pittsburgh making some move. Um, I could, not any yeah. huge thing, but similar to yeah. a kind of thing. Yeah, because I yeah, it is hard to see them being overly aggressive with the way their roster is structured. In the sense, like yeah, you don't want to. They don't want to risk anything to put them behind, uh, because you have Crosby and Malkin and they're fine. They're fi- not final years, but like towards the latter stage of their career. Yeah, you don't want to. They they're not going to do. They're not going to do anything crazy. I think. I think they're going to be one of those teams that makes a minor move. And you probably you you've mentioned that, I believe. Yeah. So I think there aren't. I think there aren't this year, just because the way everything's shaken out so far. I don't mm-hmm. see any besides maybe Montreal. I have a hard time seeing a team that I feel is close enough where if they try to go all out, it could work kind of thing. Uh, teams obviously always do it. There's always a team that you're like, why the hell are they buying everything this year? They've got no chance. Like I could <laughs> see Nashville could surprise us or Chicago. I think Chicago doesn't want to move. I think they're like, okay, we're heading back in the right direction. Let's keep it going. And, but I could see like some, you always have that one or two teams. They're like, we can do it. No, you can't. (laughs) No, maybe I was thinking maybe like St. Louis, that type of team that like buys up, goes all crazy potentially. But like, it's like, you're not, you're not really built to, you don't want to risk doing that and they might do it. I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I think the trade deadline is coming up, like in like in a week or t- in a weeks or so. I believe so, it's the twelfth, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's in like probably then two weeks. It's going to be like exciting to see. Uh, all right, I think that's all the all the time. I think we that's all the time. Any uh, I guess any closing statements, uh, and then we'll uh, close up for this week. Let's play hockey. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, let's watch. Uh, let's watch. Yeah. I, I just think it's, you know, it's been a great season full of weird twists and turns and canceled games. Like you see baseball games get canceled or football games occasionally get delayed. I have never in my entire life of watching hockey be like, okay, there's a game tomorrow. Ah, uh, no, there's not, not anymore <laughs> kind of thing. It's, it's a weird feeling, but keeps you on your toes and it's interesting. Yeah. I think, I think what's, what's great is that, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like stuff where it's like, yeah, this is an unusual season, unprecedented season. But I think what's great is when you start watching games and you start seeing fans and you start seeing, you start hearing on TV normal crowd reactions, which feel genuine. And it, it really is exciting to know that like we are, that we could potentially have a Stanley Cup final yeah. with like a real audience that's like actually like, relatively packed yeah my uh, i would say i i yeah i actually saw a game the other day i think it was this past week the on ice mic was not working it was silent except for the announcers and it was the most it was the weirdest thing i had ever heard you didn't hear any (laughs) puck bounces you didn't hear any crossbars you didn't hear any checking or mumbling or whatever it was weird i can't wait for there to be fans in the stadium and have that momentum ability you know without the 
crowd momentum is less swinging. You don't see as many games where it's like, oh, they got one goal. That crowd's behind them now, you know, kind of thing. So hopefully the playoffs will get some more fans. All right. I think we're at a, we're out of time then this week. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, please like our, th- th- please like our show. Uh, and uh, all right. Peace.